thrill me, Android users. And by that, I mean, check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. There are thousands of good reviews that might thrill you with all of their raves about the wonderful features of the app. It's a great way to listen to your podcasts available for Android devices on the Google Play Store. That's the Podcast Republic app. Go check it out. If you haven't in a while, go over to patreon.com slash dissectinthe80s and check out all of the great stuff we've got there. We have bonus episodes at the $5 tier. We just put up one on The Quest. That was the the last uh, episode of Listener Request Month. We do that. There's an extra bonus there for you on Patreon. And we are, I believe, uh, as of this recording, $69 away. Nice. From the bonus episode every single month at the $5 level. So that's 50% more Dissecting the 80s in your ear holes. So check out patreon.com slash Dissecting the 80s and see about becoming a member today. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the mega podcasting powers. And with me, as always, is my tag team partner, a man who I am genuinely thrilled to be introducing to this movie, the Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano. And I, so upon watching it, I think I have seen part of this before. Oh, damn. Okay. Because the very opening, I've at least seen the black and white section in the beginning. Because okay. that, because as I, soon as I saw like the car and the and the sorority house and the black and white, I was like, wait a minute, this feels like the beach house. Like we watch this at the beach house. I feel like uh, okay, because I was I was thinking as I was watching this, uh, and I don't often feel this way when watching a movie for the podcast. Like uh, that, I like man. I wish I was watching this with you. <laughs> like it was like this one should have been a commentary track because like experiencing this together would have been just so much more fun. Um, obviously, for many reasons, we r- extremely rarely do that for the podcast. Uh, but yeah, I was like, well, man, it twice, it been, I think. Right. Um, is it really just two times ever that we watched a movie like expressly for watching? Oh, like with podcast? commentary? Oh, I oh I thought you meant we've only done two commentary tracks. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. No, I was thinking like even e- commentary track or not, like I would have just enjoyed watching this with you uh, at the same time, which, you know, again, logistically is it's very difficult. So we don't do that. But I was like, man, it would have been so much fun because I this is a movie that I only watch like every eight years or 10 years. And it's dumb. But that's just how it's shaken out in my life. It's like, as soon as I finished this, I was like, man, I got, I got to not wait that long to watch this again. I really like this movie. So it's a lot of fun. I own this on Blu-ray. It's not a great looking Blu-ray transfer, but it's, uh, you know, it's just a, it's a fun movie and it scratches almost all of my, or checks rather all of my boxes, scratches all my itches is not a phrase people say. No, I mean, it could, but it seems way more positive than I think you were intending. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we watched the 1985, or rather 86, cult classic from Fred Decker, Night of the Creeps, so you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your love letter to B-movies. Someone's gonna write your love letter to B-movies. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott. Cream of the crop. Oh, yeah. Mega power, yeah! When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. So Fred Decker's been on this show before. We did Monster Squad, which is a movie we grew up loving. And you can, I think, totally see... Did he do Predator? Or is that just Shane? He he co-wrote that new The Predator. Ah. Which also had Shane Black involved in it. Mm-hmm. I think Shane Black directed that. I think so. 
Yeah, my my recollection is that was the one where he hired the guy that turned yes. out to be a real creep, and uh, I thought he issued a really genuine apology for it, and and I was like very impressed by it, but it still sucked. You know that you know that hiring a creep is always a bad thing, especially you know when people are more aware of that stuff. And I you know that, that movie's just fine, like it's not anything amazing. Is it the one with where it's the the planet? It's the one with uh, Keegan Michael. Key. Yeah, they're on like a. It's like a a predator planet, right? With Adrian so Brody. No, so there's two. There's two predator movies that came out in the modern era. There's the one you're talking about with Adrian Brody, and then this other one takes place on Earth, and Keegan Michael Key is in it. And it's like I just watched the trailer. Oh, so oh, like, that's never mind. That's the one where autism is magic. Yes, yes, I believe that is true. I I watched the trailer and I was like, I think I saw this movie. I'm genuinely not sure. It seems like one of those movies that would have hit streaming in the last two years and would have been like, oh, Shane Black, Fred Decker. Like, I got to check that out. That's like two people whose writing I really enjoy Hollywood, you know, in, in terms of that and movies and stuff. And I was like, ah, did I see this movie or didn't I? And I watched the whole trailer and it was one of those trailers that's like basically the movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That, that yeah. modern style. And I still was like, I'm not sure if I saw this movie. So I might have. I might have. uh fallen asleep or who knows but i think i saw it i don't have anything to say positive or negative about it because i genuinely am not sure i saw it but i know i've seen the kill count video for it which goes into the plot so i'm like eh, probably i got i got all the important stuff we start with one of my favorite logos and that is the tri-star horse pegasus i suppose right i think it yeah it's got wings Yeah, yeah yeah okay love seeing that tri-star logo great logo is tri-star just not a company anymore I'm pretty sure they're not. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and we start with these really odd, naked, tiny aliens. I'll be honest. I hated this. Like, <laughs> it's it not was, good. It was because if you read the Wikipedia, it says two aliens chase a third alien who is possessed, and I was like, he's what now? Yeah, I did not get that part. I it would it now if it ended with that alien. The two aliens bust in on the third alien and shoot him and his head explodes and the worm things come out of it. That would have made a lot of sense. Yeah, that would have been very good. But I I hate this alien design. I hate the alien costume. I hate everything about it. It's too big for the budget of this movie. And like most of this movie, you're like, oh, man, I love the like low budget aesthetic and the way they figured this out. And Mm -hmm. so like one of the great things of this movie is these slugs, which are almost certainly some sort of gelatinous thing. It might even just be a jello, like a more solid jello. Jello on a piece of parchment paper attached to a fishing line. Exactly. And they just drag it through the grass and speed the camera up. It looks great. It looks creepy. It's unsettling. Mm-hmm. It's un- it's it's wonderful. I hate these it in aliens, all the best ways. Yeah. These aliens not not don't have the budget for it. Their faces don't really move. It's just a weird look. Yeah. I, to be honest, I don't get why you needed that. Like... Yeah. The aliens don't add anything to this movie. It could so have just as easily been a meteor a la The Blob or yep. any other B movie like that. That's what I was going to say. It's it's basically the B movie opening of Thing Crashes to Earth, All Hell Breaks Loose, but they, they shade in what the thing was. And as, as I've made abundantly clear over the last eight years, there's nothing I like less than when you tell me too much information about the backstory. It's fine. It's a meteor with worms in it. That's fine. I don't need it to be an experiment. And I like this movie, but I like the, the opening two minutes is useless. It does nothing for you. Because then they're talking to each other 
in an alien language and it's subtitled right. in an alien language. And I was like, well, then what are we doing? Oh, wait, mine had English subtitles. Mine did not. <laughs> what do no, they say? Because that maybe that because <laughs> okay, I was watching wow. it with like it was like it, the Star Wars holiday special where it was just Wookiee language <laughs> with nothing. <laughs> That's amazing. OK. And it wasn't so even the- it was like it was like a non like a non English alphabet it language. Like, it wasn't it was like an Cyrillic. alien like. Oh, was hieroglyphics. It was like wingdings or hieroglyphs. Okay. Okay. So the premise of this is there's two aliens chasing a third alien. The third alien is carrying an experiment. And the first two aliens are like, we can't let him get that experiment off this ship. We have to stop him at any means, any cost. We have to stop him. So they're chasing and they're chasing. The third alien gets to a secret panel, stuffs the experiment into this like tube and launches it out of the ship. And then the first two are like, oh, my God, he's launched it. What what have we done? We, we're all is lost, basically. And then we cut to Earth. Because, like, to me, if you're going to show me the alien experiment, I want to know what it was supposed to do. Like, yeah. you have to go the, f- the full mile and, like, what was it supposed to do? How did it go wrong? Right. right. Or show me nothing. Right. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. Uh, what it is, actually, is it's, this movie is a, a secret uh despite the fact that this came out 30 some years before it is a secret sequel to the movie life i think with uh ryan reynolds that nobody knows oh yeah yeah yeah. that was the one with the it's it's in space and there's yeah. the, the black goop yeah yeah uh not really but but uh similar somewhat premise anyway we cut to earth it's black and white now i like that it goes from color with the aliens to black and white i love a stylized 50s black and white like it's a nifty 50s diner uh-huh, which uh-huh. may or may not be a regional thing. It's almost certainly the thing that you're searching for on a global or at least a national scale is Johnny Rockets, which I believe just did a rebranding and is now no longer retro. Oh, well, then what's the what are we doing then? <laughs> I, they, this is the same. Johnny also, Rockets was the, like the black and white checkerboard with the red vinyl. Uh-huh, exactly. And I think they have just done a rebrand to like gray, black, corporate, synergy you know that nightmare like no. like all of all of the corporations have done this burger kings are gray and black now the mcdonald's are gray and black now and it's like things are better when they're colorful like you're serving garbage food just make it look ridiculous especially because mcdonald's real thing is real estate like you own the yeah. land you own the right. building just do whatever you want with it right exactly and it's yeah uh, other than very few circumstances, I think there's like a semi-famous McDonald's in the American West where the local zoning prohibits certain colors on the outside of buildings, and the McDonald's has like a green or turquoise M. And, oh, and fun! Like a thing. Other than those instances, and like we had that, uh, I, we always called it Fake Town, but it was one of those sort of Main Street. now. Right. Well, now Main Street would also have apartments at it. But back then, they just built the the stores to make it look like it was, you know, Main Street USA sort of thing. And mostly it just made it inconvenient to park and go to these various stores. It was a very inconvenient place to go to Barnes & Noble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but now when they build those things, they put apartments on top of them and, like, people live there, which I guess makes sense if you have a grocery store or whatever. Yeah, the one in King of Prussia has that. It's the same. Yeah. It's literally the same thing as Main Street at Exton, except there's apartments. But I remember when that went in, and there was a whole hullabaloo about 
it had like it stores could come in, but they had to d- cater to the design aesthetic, which was Main Street and also farms inexplicably. So there was one like of the a- back was farms, but from yeah. the street, it was like brick and mortar. Right, right. Anyway, all that to say, it's boring when stores are boring colors and Johnny Rocket should not have become like a sad corporate synergy hellhole. Go back yeah. to the red vinyl. That's what that's what you go there for. Yeah. You want the, the milkshake and the cheeseburger and fries. Right. Right. And and I don't want to eat that at like a generic black walled building. That's not exciting. That's where I, I go to Shake Shack for that. Right. They ever that's what it is, is like one they Shake Shack comes in, people stop going to Johnny Rockets because they're going to Shake Shack, and so Shake, Johnny Rockets is like, Oh, we'll just be Shake Shack. And it's like, well no. <laughs> the thing that made you interesting is God now. You're trying to be the mockbuster. Like maybe we'll trick yeah. people into showing up. Exactly, exactly. Anyway, we get your classic campfire story, radio on. There's an I love an urban legend radio announcement. Like, sure. That is yeah. my favorite, fav- one of my favorite things that is not real. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> this just in, there's an break on the insane asylum. Yes, yes. You, you teens of a lover's lane, it better skedaddle. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part of this being the guy on the radio is like, he's headed north on Route 66 toward... Corman University. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I didn't remember the bit. And then the girl in the car turns her flashlight and it says 66 West and then an arrow pointing to the college. I was like, I love everything about this. This two minutes. It reminds me of zombie prom, which I don't know. Did you actually when I did that? Did you see that? I don't think so. There was a movie version that I haven't seen, but RuPaul is in it. I'm pretty sure. Um, It's just like high camp like spoof of the 50s like <sighs> my boyfriend threw himself into the nuclear reactor <sighs> yeah yeah i i'm i'm all in favor of that brand of silliness yeah it's very my jam so the there we've got two teens that make out point there's a, a meteor that crashes down a cop comes and knocks on the window and is like, hey, Not even guys- they're in a convertible. So he just like oh, walks right. up with the flashlight. That's right. That's right. Uh, Although, he- honestly, I would have lost my shit if it was a convertible with the windows rolled up and the top down and he still knocked on the window that and they had to roll that- it down. Yeah. That would have been absolutely in the vibe of this this movie. There were so many jokes along those lanes or lines. I also uh, really love, in general, a lover's lane in a movie. And I would love if you're out there, like, did you have one of these? Ones? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Is, this, is this a real thing anywhere in in the world? Like, I know we have some listeners internationally as well as in here in the states. It's like, I there were places that people I knew would sneak there was behind business complexes that you could go (laughs) yes yes but it wasn't it it wasn't like a lookout (laughs) right there was not a beautiful scenic overlook at which people did their car fooling around it was like hey that business park is empty and if we park in this spot no cop will if we park behind the business complex there's five parking spaces no one knows about exactly exactly that is my my understanding of what that went down. Of course, I, of course, never did anything like that myself. I just, oh, I just never, never heard never, about never. these things, allegedly. Uh, speaking of <laughs> our often use of the word allegedly, I recently re-listened to the first episode, and you did it multiple times in the first episode, so that is officially our longest-running bit. What, I said allegedly? Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you and the girls about- didn't want to have fun? 
you talked about a famous person allegedly using cocaine and said allegedly like five times the same way we do now, where it's like allegedly, allegedly. Well, I mean, hey, gotta cover your ass. No, I agreed. I'm just saying we're approaching. I don't need Ed episodes. Bagley Jr. swinging in hot with litigation. Exactly. I'm just saying we're approaching 200 episodes. That bit is still going strong, and I, I'm not tired of it. So no. unlike most bits, it is it has lasted. Yeah, there's. <laughs> I feel like at one point we should have an in memoriam for <laughs> for the That's bits the, that we just like we're like this will episodes. never get old and then <laughs> six months later. I genuinely love that idea. We should do an in memoriam for bits. Andrew writes theme songs for the sh- for the movies. Uh-huh, Remember uh-huh. when that was a thing? Briefly, yeah, for, that was almost no episodes. I think it might have been two months. Yeah, hot tag taglines lasted a while. Yeah. We'll, oh, we'll I forgot about hot tag taglines. <laughs> here's here's what I'll say. There is a certainty that we will not remember these things. Uh, please tweet at us. It's at Dissect the 80s. Old bits that we don't do anymore for an in memoriam segment. I would love to do that. Even better if you know an episode that has one. But just uh, send us a tweet or, or reach out. We would love to, love to maybe do that for 200. Anyway, ex-boyfriend cop interrupts. They drive, like, I don't know, 50 yards away from Makeout Point, it seems, in the fiction. I can't tell. I think it's, again, movies like this and, like, B-movies is always like, we got to go follow the meteor. And, like, the meteor, we from my perspective, was a long way away. It's like the, yeah. the, the circus tent in Killer Clowns. So I don't know how far they drove to find it. The only thing I can think of that's a parallel to something that's happened to me in my actual life is seeing a plane landing and knowing how far I am from the airport. Okay. So there's, you know, here in DC, there's, there's, you know, several, there's several airports in the area and I have been out and about when a plane was landing at DCA, which is the closest one to the city. And you can see it like quite low over the city, not like alarmingly low, but quite low and lower than you expect. Yeah. But it's, definitely close to the height that this meteor is when it comes rocketing to earth and it lands like as the crow flies at least five miles from where i was standing as an airplane if we were an airplane it's like i don't know how i would ever figure out where that damn meteor was absolutely not unless it was look for, like the burning trees and the smoke yeah 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 that's what i say unless it caught on fire in which case it might be easy to find yeah so the boy goes to investigate the meteor you and- stay here <laughs> yeah she. This is when she hears the radio, the the update on the escaped cu- killer, who's you know, uh, I, ex-wielding maniac. Say, yes, but my brain wanted to say toddling, but that's not the right word. Uh, nope. shuffling. I guess he's sort of like slow shuffling his way toward her in the car. I'm a little shocked he didn't have a hook for a hand. Yeah, that. I although maybe that's that, more 80s, 90s than it is 50s. I don't know. I think hook for a hand is like among the older urban legends. Because hmm. I just I just watched uh, I know what you did last summer for a guest spot on another podcast, and I forgot that they break down the like eight different versions of the hook hand urban legend, and I was like, oh yeah, there are a yeah. lot of variations. Did you do the first one of those? The first one. Mm-hmm. Are you aware in the third one that this that it goes? Yes, in the third one, it is a not coastal town, landlocked yes. in the middle of the country, and it is the zombie of the fisherman. Yes, that is resurrected by the hook, which is purchased on eBay. The third one, one of, one of the one of the handful of movies that I truly could not finish. I was like, I can't Absolutely do this not. to myself. Well, there the the it's James Wan doing the TV show or the Amazon show. They're doing. I know what you did last summer as an Amazon show. Yeah, or as a 
some kind of internet show huh. um, in Hawaii with, I believe, an ethnically diverse cast. So it's more believable that they wouldn't go to the police because four white kids in North <laughs> Carolina just tell the police. Yeah, I will say Hawaii is too pretty for a slasher movie in my brain. I'm sure it's going to be fun, but in my brain, I'm like, that's not that's not right. Has there ever been a Hawaii slasher? I don't know one, but I'm sure there is one. Anyways, she says another great line. I'll let she's like trying to get him back to the car because she can't see him. And so she says, mm-hmm. I'll even let you fondle my breasts, which is so good. <laughs> just the perfect right <laughs> phrasing and delivery of that. Yeah. Yeah. The boyfriend gets slugged and then she gets chopped to pieces with an axe. Well, not even. So he something jumps at him right. and then the the man raises the axe and brings it down. And we cut away to 1986. And I was like, I'm I don't know if I like that transition. Yeah. Yeah, it, it comes back later, but it, it is a little bit of, uh, of uh, cutting it off a little early there. Yeah, and we meet so, uh, European Vacation Rusty. Yes. Who, who is, is also sure. Blake Lively's half-brother. I was just going to say, I'm sure we noted that in that episode. Um, he eventually retired from acting. He lives in Utah. I was I was Googling him to like, you know, check Doesn't him out. Doesn't he like a winery or something or like a food thing? No, no. So a food thing. About 10 years ago, he had a a mobile corn roasting stand at like, you know, uh, like farmers and stuff? and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The way they would like roast the corn you could get with different toppings. Honestly, sounds delicious and wonderful. Oh yeah. It's a great idea. Sign me up. Su- yeah. Super on board. But <laughs> I was like, I was looking for it and I found that they, I don't think they're operational anymore. They haven't posted on Facebook in almost a decade, but uh, th- there's a phone number on the Facebook. And I was like, Oh man, this Do is I almost, call it? this is almost assuredly his phone number. <laughs> And I didn't do it, and I'm not going to do it on the air, but I did. Like, there was a part of my brain that was like, hmm, uh, this is a stunt. I don't, we don't normally do a stunt, but I could, I could call him and be like, hi, we're recording right now. Would you like to talk about Night of the Creeps? <laughs> Watch it still be open and thriving, and it's like you call a busy kitchen. Yeah, yeah, they just haven't updated Facebook. In you hear the years. pots and pans clanging in the background. <laughs> there's, there's popping of corn kernels. <laughs> Anyway, it's him. Uh, everybody in this movie has names of famous horror directors. So Which I love. Yeah, it's clever. It's cute. It's like, not, it doesn't impede the, the movie in any way. It's just like a little cute thing for the people who get it. His best friend is James Carpenter, who goes by JC. The two of them are... Uh, I really liked JC, and I was shocked he didn't act more. Like, yeah, he doesn't I have was, a whole lot I, of credits. He has he is playing the role like in the movie the character is filling the role that Evil Ed does in Fright Night, but I think this character is way better. Oh, a hundred percent, he's better than Evil Ed. He is engaging. Yeah. He had that whole monologue he gives in the dorm room. I was like, yeah, is there real heart in this movie? Did yeah, they sneak I was, real heart into this movie. I couldn't believe that he only acted in a handful of projects. I do wonder if I did not find this information out. I didn't know if he actually, if the actor needed the crutches or the character needed the crutches. He uses, I was curious uh, about that myself. Arm crutches. And I was thinking if it was the actor, not the character, it's possible that that would have impeded his ability to get mainstream acting roles. But if so, what a bummer. There's, there's a lot yeah. of talent here that's not, you know, not Frankly, really more talented than Rusty. Yeah. And yeah. I don't mean to impugn, like, I don't think Rusty's a bad actor, but like, JC is infinitely more, like, charming, I guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, also, uh, Rusty is the actual brother to Robin Lively, who is the the girl, lead in Teen Witch. 
Oh, I forgot that the lead in Teen Witch was related to Blake Lively. Yeah, well, they're half siblings. I think it was like a mom because they're like this guy and Blake are like 20, 20 plus years apart, I think. Yeah. So I'm sure it's second marriage situation. So it's a party. We're trying to rush a frat. Uh, so did you ever go to frat parties at, at Maryland? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I maybe went to like one or two at Westchester. I don't think a single frat house in Westchester was this big. So Maryland had a very interesting thing where the actual fraternities on campus were extremely regulated. And so the they didn't hold parties. The only time they held parties, it was there was a cop at the door. They checked IDs. It was like invite only. It was a much more exclusive thing. But all none of the frats were big enough to house all of the people in them. And so they would have these like satellite houses out elsewhere. And that's where the okay. parties would be. So gotcha. it was like, oh, we're going to the, you know, I don't remember the name, the Deke house or whatever. You know, the Alpha Psi Omega Beta Seta Theta house. And, you know, we go there and you'd go and it would be like five or six people in the frat live at this offsite house. Okay. But in movies, it's always a, like, mansion. Yes. Th- like, there were legitimate mansions at Maryland that presumably house- hosted some sorts of parties. I never went to those, but uh, I would go to these other ones. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't... Westchester did, didn't even have the big mansions. I think it's because the college, ta- like, the town kind of... I don't know, the ca- town kind of, like, blossomed around the the campus, the, the college, but, like, there wasn't really space for big mansions for, like... Yeah eight frat guys to live in yeah maryland definitely is the similar like college park now i don't even recognize and i went there i graduated in 2009 and at the time it was like not much and now it's just crazy there's all these high rises for students and stuff but they the school is old it's from you know dates to the 1800s and they definitely had frat row and sorority row and they were these like very nice looking mansions and stuff but I just went to parties because it was $5 for a solo cup and all the beer you could drink. Oh, okay. I don't remember what the the situation was for frat party drinking in Westchester. It was free for girls. Boys were $5. And boys were also that free. Tracks. Boys were also free if you put a solo cup into the cargo pocket of your cargo shorts and said that you were the designated driver. <laughs> Not that I know anything about that. You drinking at a frat party out of a solo cup that you got out of your cargo <laughs> pants and it's beer might be the straightest sentence you've ever said. <laughs> and you say, where is your straight pride month? <laughs> it's there in that sentence. No, I have no I have no straight pride parade. Thank you very much. I did. I did. I will say I did not do that often. I did feel guilty about it. It was a reasonable price to pay for all you can drink at any light. So uh, not not an issue. I mean, what are they raising money? Are they? It wasn't like it was a charity thing, was well, it? Well, they're paying for the keg. <laughs> they're paying for the beer. The beer's not free. Hey, if they're giving it free to girls, then they can give <laughs> it free to a few guys, too. They It was like you'd go and they'd like, you know, at some point a frat bro would walk up to you and be like, oh, you interested in rushing? And you'd be like, no. And they'd be like, okay, cool. Absolutely not, time, buddy. <laughs> most of the time they would just leave you alone. So it, they actually used it to like camp, oh, like yeah. campaign. What's this? Oh, no. that's that's the majority of their compa- campaign and came from that. Oh. I know I, people who rushed frats after going to the parties. Because I always thought there was like the campaign week or like Greek week where that happened. 
and then after that it was like you can't join the frat now i thought it was in my no, that happened yeah that happened but it was like it's like you would there would be the parties and in addition to like putting a table on campus and sitting behind it on the mall which is like i don't know who's gonna who's it's not really an exciting vision of frat life but you go to these parties they would have these parties way more like i i only did it my freshman year because i was like I, I, immediately i was too old for it <laughs> like, yeah this is terrible i would much rather just buy beer and drink with my friends but we would go to them freshman year and it was like the first two months they would happen and then they just didn't happen anymore okay gotcha so it was their like recruitment tool recruitment that's the word not campaign yeah. Join our friend. This will be your life every Saturday. And I'm like, well, that no, sounds terrible. <laughs> that sounds bad. That's your like selling that. point? Yeah. But these guys are really desperate to rush the frat. So desperate to rush the frat that they are like willing to do anything, including steal a body from the morgue and dump it on the the front lawn rival of the sorority. Frat. Well, also, Is it a rival frat the- or the sorority? It's not the sorority. They specifically say it's, it was supposed to be a different frat. Okay. All right. But also like... Rusty's an idiot because he sees his girl and goes all like Tex Avery Wolf in a cartoon. Yeah, he really does. And so JC goes over and does a fun, a, like a fun flirt. Frankly, I was like, maybe you should ditch Rusty and stick with him, girl in this movie. Um, Cynthia. Cynthia. Or Cindy. Um, I believe and- it's Cynthia Craven? No, because I don't think she was Craven. Okay. Um, but he goes over, like, he, does, he like, scopes out the situation and goes back and, like, lies about her having a boyfriend. And Rusty's like, oh, so I have to join the frat. And he was like, or you could talk to her. Like, you yes. haven't, you have not talked to her yet. So right. maybe try that. You, you, you could try not doing that. It's Cynthia Cronenberg. Cronenberg. So we cut to, they, he talks to her a little bit. It's basically like, I have a boyfriend, go away. Uh, we cut to... The lab with character actor extraordinaire David Paymer. What else has he been in? Oh my god, like two hundred movies. Well, <laughs> anything that be. I would know. Um, yeah. Let me see what I got here. Um, Drag me to hell. He's the boss. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that in a he while. Got, he got nominated for an Academy Award for Mister Saturday Night, which is a Billy Crystal movie I have never seen. Don't know that one. But. I think he's one of those people with 200 acting credits is my my guess. I'm not going to I don't have IMDb open in front of me. Uh, great character actor. One of the things that we lament, or at least I do all the time, and I don't mean this as an insult. He's a perfectly fine looking man, but an unusual looking guy. He's got, you know, a, you know, he's, he's balding in a, in a certain way. He's, you know, he's an interesting looking face. He's not like a pretty person. He's got an interesting face, which is great yeah. for character actors. Pamer's in the lab and he's. Uh, got a, a human popsicle in the background, very Austin Powers esque freezer tube thing. Yeah, and he's got an issue, so he goes to get on the phone. So the boys sneak down and they break in just by pushing zero on the keypad. There's real feels... slapdash security at this high tech lab. <laughs> Not very good. And then we get in the room, and oh my god, what a beautiful, lovely thing! It's ex- it's a lab. killer clowns level. It's the lab from my dreams. Honestly, it really totally reminded me of the old Star Trek. I don't have that reference. I mean, I know the sort of collective idea of it, but yeah, if you Google the old Star Trek bridge, it's it's very much this vibe. Lots of angled panels, lots of lights, 
multicolored buttons and switches and dials, an inexplicably running reel-to-reel tape recorder or player. Why is it always that? Like, what is it doing? I think it's just because it gives you, it's sort of the same idea of why most theme parks have trains or some sort of thing that goes around the outside of it. It's just kinetic energy and like makes the space feel more exciting. So that's why the lights are like flashing in sequences and stuff. It just makes this room feel more interesting. But I, I mean, I love this this room design. It's like, oh, can we spend the whole movie here? Not really, but still. Yeah. So the movie cryogenics, where you can just freeze a person and they you unfreeze them and they come right back to life. Exactly. There's not you know complicated procedures or anything like that. And it's just a single button that's like unfreeze. I forget what the button says, but it's just it's it's one, like it's a, Austin Powers where it's just it's, unfreeze. <laughs> It's a one button sequence of just like, oh, if I just push this, boop, boop, oh, now, now they're unfreezing. Like, or SpongeBob, be- I guess, if it was just more of a me reference than a you reference, there was yeah. a, a Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy villain who was frozen in solid tartar sauce. And literally it says like unfreeze, freeze. <laughs> and you, they just like can do it at whim. Yeah, I feel like this should be like a nuclear launch where it's like two keys and it's like, okay, on three, one, two, and we turn and then we have to open a f- panel and then we can hit a Open a clear acrylic box. Uh-huh, exactly. Well, you got to prevent accidental button pushes. Yeah. Hey, as someone who's accidentally pushed the e-stop on a Disney World attraction, yeah, <laughs> accidental button, button pushing is awful. Yeah, you need a, a clear cl- acrylic box. It's absolutely true. I need a I need a clear acrylic box with a button for my desk that I could just have as like a desk, you know, a thing to play with. <laughs> I'll open it and push it and I'll close it and whatever. I need one of that. Somebody invent that. I mean, I, I am sure that exists somewhere. <laughs> well, it's like a fidget spinner, but like a little more elaborate where I could be like, open, push, close, open, push, close, open, push. You know, I, I'd want that. Somebody, you need somebody the baby. You basically want an adult version of the baby, like buttons, shoelaces, zippers. Uh, a fidget cube is what you're describing, and yes, I would love to have one. But I'm I have a fidget cube, but you're, you well, you want the more in, when it's more involved like that. I'm picturing the like use the velcro. No, I, don't want a, I don't want a whole panel. I want like a three and a half inch by three and a half inch by three and a half inch acrylic cube with a big red button underneath it, like a okay. a good plunger style button. Like I don't want some little you know little tappy joystick adjacent button on a game console. I want like a big <laughs> button. Mm-hmm. But I want like a little cube. I could just, you know. So they run away. Yes. Also, I have to point out, I, I try not to do this too much because there's only so much fodder for jokes to be mined. But talking about the fashion of these movies. But Rusty's wardrobe throughout this is a delight. He is wearing a 90s couch in this as a sweater. Uh-huh. He wears a lot of sweaters. He's doing a lot of sweaters in this movie. A lot of sweaters, a lot of layering, which is mm-hmm. shocking to me because I'm sure this set was not cold. <laughs> A lot of those peg pants, I feel like. Yes, yes. But this one in particular is that era of 90s couch with like a very busy print on it. We had one that was like a farm scene. Yeah, it was a full farm scene. (laughs) Yeah, it had like animals and people and barns and fences and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Cows. A whole whole thing uh, that we had was our like upstairs couch for a while. And then it was our, you know, basement playroom, you know, Playroom is probably generous. We were much older than it being a playroom, but like our hangout space couch for a long time. And then I, I'm not sure what ended up with it, but all of my friends had similar couches. Did yours as well? Um, Just like elaborately, I, pa- like nobody had a plain colored couch. It was all patterns and swirls and fabrics. I think yes, for the most part, because we even went from a the cow from the farm print to like a paisley 
and mm. then to like a solid like leather. Yeah, I feel like the current trend is solid colors, leather or leather like substances are popular. But like I've never owned anything but a solid color couch and there weren't even other options. But for the 90s, man, it was like, oh, let's get some patterns in here, baby. Yeah. So they go back to their dorm room and for some reason there's couches in there instead of beds. They're futons. It's like a couch that you also sleep on. They're, they're made up like beds. There's a there's a long blanket on it, and there's a pillow. But it's 100% a couch. It's very weird. Because it, it, it doesn't look like it's supposed to fold down or pull No, out. I don't think it does. I don't think it does. So I was just very confused. It's less space than a twin bed, for sure, the way that they have this design. Oh, absolutely. And then also they have um, desks built into the wall. Like, it's like built in, like, L-shaped desks on the other side of the couches. Yes. And, like, obviously, like, the joke about, like, oh, small dorm rooms, whatever. Because there's so much built in and already, like, in there when you get in there, there's, like, no room in there at all. It's literally the bed and then this giant built-in desk and there's, like, a two-foot alley in the middle. It's like a cruise ship where it's like yes. the beds are bolted in place and the desk is bolted in place and you can walk down the alley between them and that is it. Uh, also, I, I d- didn't mention this before. Uh, the basement set where the lab is is very good. It's just clearly a basement that they had access to that was like got some water stains going on. And they're like, mm-hmm. uh, let's dress this up. You got three of those yellow barrels. Can we slap a radiation sign on them and just stack them in the corner? It's like, are you... In the kayfabe of this movie, telling me there's just three barrels of nuclear material over there that nobody's got an issue with. Well, maybe it's nuclear waste and like that's nobody, worse. And like nobody wants to like you know when you you don't want to take the trash out, so you like take the bag out and put it next <laughs> to the trash can. And you're like, I'll get to it. Oh man, no, uh, that seems really bad to do with toxic waste. Yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> or like maybe maybe the their county keeps putting off recycling. I've been out of recycling for like a month now because of the way the schedule has turned out, and I hate it. Uh, that's amazing. Also, uh, Pamer gets slugged, which we did not say. Yes. And uh, I found in my notes here, the button says disengage to turn off the popsicle. <laughs> the button to turn off the freezer for the disengage. man says disengage. Yeah. Got it. And then we cut to... Uh, Tom oh, also, Atkins. sorry, last part. I'm so sorry. I have so many details written down because I, I know this movie so well. There's a book behind JC that's called Adventures in Achievement. I mean, that sounds like bullshit 80s. You can yes. do it. Yeah. Okay, go to Tom Atkins. So it's legendary in a white suit, in shoes, on the beach, lay- yes. sitting on the beach, in a white suit, in shoes, And then there's a a woman in heels handing him a a coconut drink. And I was like, what monsters? (laughs) Like, what world are we in? (laughs) Yes. And then, so he, he like sees the girl. It's apparently the girl from the fifties, but she does not Mm -hmm. look like she's not wearing the same dress. I don't think. No, she, her hair is like, they should have done more. Like she should have been black and white coming out of the water. She was also kind of dressed like in the in the flashback. She was kind of dressed like a uh, god damn it. What are they called in Greece? A T-bird? No, a pink lady. Yeah, she's got like the the, the bobby socks. The bobby socks are. She's got like that yeah. kind of vibe. Totally agree. But I knew it was a dream sequence when she starts to come out of the water, and as she does, it's a legitimate shot. Her well, 
for like a split second as her head breaks the water, it's a real shot and her hair's wet. And then it cuts and her hair is dry. So I think it's like they did a reverse. Yeah. They had her like drop to her knees and do it, but they had to get her coming up out of the water. And so it's like for a split second, Which, like, you would think wet. that you can get her going all the way in the water. Like people can just go all the way into water. Right. I would think that you would just shoot this forward and she would be standing and then she would kneel and go all the way under and then you would just reverse it. But for some reason, for a split second, it's her legitimately emerging from the water with wet hair. And then it's like, nope, dry now. Yeah. And then he wakes up from that to this like really great skeleton puppet, this like zombie skeleton puppet killing so, her. Allegedly, this is a person because I looked up, I was I was doing some research. There is a person credited with playing this character and his IMDb picture is the skeleton. I mean, I think in like wides, I'm sure. But in the close ups, it's clearly just it a, puppet. a puppet. Yeah, because the, the the part where I thought it was a human in a costume was the second time we the see alleyway. They have when their eyes are not there. And it just looks like sockets mm-hmm. versus the eyes in this, which looked very puppety to me. Yeah. And then he wakes up from that dream because he's getting called down to the uh, to the lab. And it is like primo Tom Atkins acting. Oh, yeah. He this his wheelhouse in the 80s was alcoholic cop who smokes like a chimney. And it's like, which one's going to kill him first? He's not sure, but he's dying literally to find out. <laughs> And like, is it going to be stomach cancer, throat cancer, lung cancer? I can't wait. Give me a cancer. It also reminded me of um, Renee Montoya in Birds of Prey, how she just like talks in like movie quip, like yes. movie cop quips. Yes. Yes. All of his dialogue is yeah. like, <laughs> well, you know, like you said, there were two bodies. Like everything he does is some like 80s movie cop guy. L- literally one of his lines just seconds from this is are we in a b movie or a crime scene yes and then he keeps repeating one line when he's like well Thrill i'm not me. the queen of sheba they're like are you oh, oh, oh detective oh. and he's like no, i ain't the queen of sheba or something yeah yeah that i didn't write down and i'm just like what are we doing <laughs> he says thrill me every time he answers the phone every time he opens a conversation with a person if you interacting with this man in real life you would be like if you say that one more time i'm gonna hit you with a belt <laughs> like, I- that's it I am so curious now if I like to just like do for a day. Obviously, I won't do it when I'm at work because my yeah. job is to answer phones for a medical company. But like spend a day, answer the phone like that, greet people like that, see what they say, see what their response is. The problem is nobody calls you anymore. So oh, you'd yeah, have that's to, true. You'd have to have all of your text conversations. With like- or it would be like I answer because I sometimes answer the telemarketer calls just to be like, stop. And then they they put me on. They like boop, boop. And it stops. Yeah. So I, I can just answer the telemarketer. <laughs> Thrill me. Thrill me. What? Huh? <laughs> so confused. What does that mean? I actually, I got one today that was like, I'm looking for Pasquale Leno. And I was like, <laughs> I've never heard that name in my life. And she was like, clearly thought I was like lying. And she was yeah. like, well, your name was put down as the like, as the point of contact for Pasquale Leno. And I was like, for Pasquale Leno. And she was like, yeah, Pasquale. And I was like, I truly have never heard that name in my life. So uh, someone gave you some bum information. And she was like, okay. And I was like, what purpose would I have? Like, if that's my grandfather and I'm caring for him, I would say that. But like, 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what Pasquale later either. Also, it's usually Pasquale. I don't think she was putting the the, yeah, the I'm, mustard I'm on the saying, end there. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm just so we like, gotta stop the tweets from Pasquale. Yeah, from the yeah Pasquale Leno listens to this. <laughs> He's, of course he does. He like looked for podcasts with his own last name and was like, okay, I'll I'll listen to that. Yeah. Yeah, this is so Tom Atkins is also the cop in Halloween three. Stay tuned, stay tuned, stay tuned. Eventually, we will get to Halloween three. And uh, he was just in Return to New York, right? Or Escape from New York? Yes, Escape from New York. <laughs> the, yep, literally yep. the opposite. This <laughs> is like Return to New York. What's that? Uh, yes, he is. It was awesome. like um, the commish, right? The one mm-hmm, who was mm-hmm. like, "We make a hell of a team, Snake." Yes. and I was like, "You would, please do it." Yeah. No, uh, is that him? Maybe that's him. Okay, I I just watched Escape from L.A., so I'm confusing him with the guy in Escape from L.A. Which I think be. he's. I think that is his role because I don't know who else he would have played. Yeah, I'm not sure. He's definitely in Escape from New York. Uh, he also is in. There was a great uh, late career performance from him. Although I think he's still acting. He does a lot of theater in Pittsburgh where he lives. Uh, another guy who I was like, is his phone listed publicly? Could I just Google this? <laughs> I was like, I could probably cobble together interviews for this movie. Um, for Tom Atkins? Well, I, I think Tom Atkins is findable. I'm certain that uh, Mr. Lively is findable. And uh, Fred Decker does a lot of interactivity on his Facebook page. So it's like not out of the question that he would say yes. Anyway, he was also in the remake of My Bloody Valentine as oh he was the, uh, on the on the porch right yes yeah the porch that we visited uh mm-hmm. but yeah he's he's a old guy cop in that it's like you get to see him do this exact sort of type of acting one last time in his 70s really great but also in halloween 3 i, I have not seen that in a very long time my memory is he is also an alcoholic cop in that yes he <laughs> yeah. is that's his like absolute wheelhouse is like cop who's trying to kill himself with every substance available and annie brackett plays his wife that's right. That's right. Um, so we got from the go from that crime scene to uh, the sorority house. I do and- have to mention. I'm so sorry. That one of my favorite dumb things that is a recurring thing in movies of all types is person who deals with dead bodies. Usually a morgue attendant. In this case, Eats. it's a crime scene guy who will eat a sandwich around a dead body without being weirded out by it. But this guy, it's a run. I'm surprised he's not in it a third time to sort of complete the cycle, but we see him two times and both times he is eating what well, the second time it's eating food out of a Tupperware with a plastic fork around a dead. body. I missed that part. Yeah. See Riverdale skips that. And in favor of the, the mortician, whatever is just looks like a ghoul. Ah, he literally looks like you stretched beef jerky over a skeleton. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a common one too. Like creeper creeper work at the morgue. Yeah. Yeah. He I'm like, is he gonna like take off his little like cap and it's just gonna be the like stringy crypt keeper hair? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. Uh so we go from that to the sorority house where Cindy is the president, I think they yes. kind of say. And then one girl is carrying a box of jars with liquid and she's like <laughs> Can I put the? Can I store these in here? And she was like, "What are they?" And she's like, "Brains for dissecting on Monday in biology class." And I was like, "Why do you have them?" <laughs> That's what I was saying. Why is are this you the TA? Response? Yeah, this is insane. This is not. Also, even if you are the TA, certainly there is secure storage for this on campus. Also, shouldn't they be cold? They no, they're like pickled in formaldehyde. Oh yeah, you're right. I guess you don't. Once you once you pop the top though, then you have to put it in the fridge. <laughs> it's 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 very refrigerate after opening this. Refrigerate after opening. Dispose of after like, two weeks. Each you like, and then put it back. 
yeah, this is to set up later. The reason why all the slugs are in the basement is because there's these brains, but it is like a very throw. But the brains aren't attached to bodies. So like, what do they want? Also, we don't see, I think they eat brains. Do they? Yeah, that is my intent. Because when they, when the people who become alien zombie slug creatures get shot in the head and their heads explode, there's no brain left. It's just slugs. Mm, Okay, maybe. We also forgot to mention that Cindy's boyfriend, 1980s Ric Flair, uh, is a prevalent <laughs> prevalent force in this movie. And I, like, I could not believe how much this guy looked like Ric Flair, both in hair and vibe and general everything. He does have lovely blonde cotton candy hair. Yeah, it's, it's like wispy and very quaffed. Mm-hmm. Very tan, too. Yeah, if you know Rick, if you know Ric Flair, eighties, you know you know, uh, limousine riding, kiss stealing, wheeling dealing era Ric Flair. It's basically what you should picture for this guy. Her boyfriend would be a prime candidate for the movie we pitched years ago. At this point, maybe yeah. it's <laughs> yes. hard to tell on the it, podcast. At least five years ago, about eighty, about a the town where eighties bullies grow up. Yes, and like to them, they're all the protagonist of their story. Exactly. Yes. He would be a major part of that. Yeah. Um, but so the one girl who's like studying or whatever in the living room or whatever, whatever room. On alone, a grandma couch that Rusty has not turned into a sweater yet. <laughs> no. It might as well have a doily if it doesn't actually have one. Oh, it does, I think, have a doily, but it is a 100% grandma couch. But like, so we see these like zombie feet walking, right? Mm-hmm. And then... These French doors that are all window and have curtains on them. Someone locks, knocks lightly on it. And I was like, oh, so she's going to go check the... No, she doesn't check the window. She just right. opens the door and is like, hey, right. what's what's the, what's the tea? Do you want to die? Yeah, it's Even outside strange. of a horror movie. Yeah. No, I always... You would always check the door. I mean, I never would answer the door because I. it's clearly... Unless I've ordered food, it's not Well, my me. problem is that like... My door has a like a decorative wind. It's wooden, but it's got a decorative window in the middle. Uh-huh. So like you can tell that someone's in the house. Yeah, yeah. So if I'm sitting on the couch and someone knocks, I can't just like hide because <laughs> there's clearly a someone sitting on the couch. I had recently. Uh, I live in an apartment building, but it's a small building, and so they rang at the vestibule and I was like, I guess it could be a package delivery. I should check. And I opened the door enough to stick my head out. And it was three dudes wearing the same color polos. And I was like, Oh no, tell or door to door marketer. And I like yanked my head back and the, the, they had turned. To they heard outside. the sound of the door shut like a zombie 100, movie. A hundred percent. They heard the sound of the door shut, but they were turning back toward me as I was like yanking my head back in. And I just cleared it in time to lock the door. And then they like, rang again and that didn't happen and i was like ooh, because like my i live on the first floor they could very easily have looked in the window and seen that i was just sitting on the couch and i was like i'm not talking to you today (laughs) (laughs) also this whole sorority house is decorated with hardcore grandma energy which i thought was weird until i saw that they have like a my brain always wants to say den mother but i guess it's house mother who sort of takes care of everything yeah it's house mother yeah yeah and she's like i don't know 112 they always are. Well, I this one like. in particular is like 112. So it's like, of like course, the one this in house... the sorority row movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, of course, this house has grandma energy. It's run by a grandma. Mm-hmm. Except for when it was Andrea Martin in the sorority row remake. That's right. She or no, was... Black Christmas remake. It was Black Christmas. She was the youngest. Um. So the the zombie somehow gets to the second story window because 
I needed a so, scene of a zombie climbing a trellis. I gotta be honest with you. A hundred percent. But also, it's never explained, like, the zombies don't go bite people. Like, that's not the thing. Right. They slug them. They slug people, but also they kind of just, like, do what the last thing their brain, like, the last thing they did, they just go do it again. Yeah, it's kind of like the Dawn of the Dead remake that way. Yeah, well, I think it's in the original one, too, with, like, why are they coming? Instinct, maybe, or whatever. So he goes to, like, get her on the window, and his head splits open, and all the sluggies come out. And I had, at this point, because I'm an idiot, had completely forgotten that the the prank goal was to leave a headless bot leave a body right on the steps of a different sorority or different fraternity yeah and so i was like oh they all think it was them yeah yeah i do think that that part is is lovely we also forgot to mention that there was a cat jump scare that we get called back later so i want to put a pin on it here when she oh yeah yeah yeah. when she opens the door when the girl opens the french doors yeah there's a cat and um jc has i think one of the few lines that made me like gay cackle when the like fraternity dude bros are surrounding them and they're like you weren't supposed to put it there uh the jc is like look i don't know what you're talking about we chickened out so why don't you go practice goose stepping (laughs) and literally i screamed because i was like he looks like he's about to sing tomorrow belongs to me in the middle of a park in berlin (laughs) like where's liza minnelli where's joel gray so he says the great goose stepping line and then goes to walk away and the dude bro kicks out his crutch from under him. Yeah, this is like pure Ric Flair heel energy. And I was like, man, I hate you. I hope you go down. And then his girlfriend, Cindy, goes to he's like, come on, babe. And is this the first instance of a hand crank middle finger in a movie? Yes, it's not the first, but it's certainly the first that I remember. Because I was like, oh, to me, that's so contemporary. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always like your middle finger as a compact, and then your other middle finger, you're applying something with it. So you okay. double finger. I, I've always been a fan of the inflatable. Inflatable's great, too. You blow it up with a thumb. That's that's my move. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tom Atkins shows up, and he's like, you're coming with me, boys. And he's like, this janitor pointed you two out as running away from the lab the night of the robbery. And I was like, this janitor knew their names? Yeah, I don't I don't know why the janitor would know their names. Although maybe because later she says she looked him up in the school directory to see where they lived. And I was like, that's a thing. That was a thing. I'm sure it was back then. Yeah, certainly not a thing when I was in college. So maybe they did the yearbook or the fa- wasn't that. Wait, no, Facebook wasn't. Wasn't the like the Facebook a thing, an actual book of people's faces before it was a, a website? Yes, yes, yes. So maybe they just like the janitor was like, I saw two kids and like, here's the Facebook. Yeah. Point yeah. them out. That's probably true. Is this the sequence in which Atkins is wearing the Hawaiian shirt and the jacket and the, the, the khakis and smoking chain smoking the cigarettes? Because at that point I was like, oh man, his wardrobe is so good. And then I was like, oh, did they steal Ho- Hopper's wardrobe from this from Stranger Things? Because it's sort of the Hopper energy. Maybe because Hopper's definitely given off a lot of this vibe in, yeah. in Stranger Things. Yeah. I, I, does Hopper smoke in the show? He at least in season one, he was smoking. Okay, because I I do remember because I think thing. in season because when he first shows up, the, the the receptionist at the police station is like, "You should quit." Yeah, because I I feel like he should be chain smoking Hopper, uh, and I I feel like I there's a funny clip that I remember seeing where 
in real life, he was with Millie Bobby Brown at like a panel or something. And they were, they were doing the panel together and he was talking about how she gives him so much shit when he smokes and that he like really enjoys that. He just rubs it in her face. Cause he's like, no, yeah. I love to smoke. Yeah. But yeah, the, the Atkins is wearing some great Hawaiian shirts. And it, again, it's like two packs a day and a whole bottle of Jack. And it's like, just which one's going to get me first. I can't wait to find out. I got to go somehow. Um, so the zombie scientist gets up off the table and Paper. walks away and nobody notices. And the and janitor like, freaks out. He he sees him and like absolutely loses his mind. A little good bit of business. This guy is an Asian character and he really gets sort of the long duck dong treatment of like he only gets to say one line, which is kind of a bummer because I think yeah. this actor has some good, like clearly has some chops. Like could you could give this guy 10% more to do and it would have be, been great. Mm-hmm. He could he could have been featured prominently in the background reacting to stuff. Yeah, like, or just like great. a bigger death scene or something, you know? Like give this guy a yeah. little bit more. Um so he we he runs into the zombie man and I was like it's weird that they're not we don't see them attacking people. They're not like in normal right. zombie movies it's like they they want to eat and bite and whatever, but here right. it's like they just want to get close enough to put a slug in you. Yeah, basically. I think it's like Every zombie ends up with like four or five slugs. I think it's like one slug gets in you. It reproduces asexually to make four, Makes or like five four slugs. slugs in you. It eats your brain. Then you die in those four slugs. It's it's very much a, a Hydra of zombies, which I think is cool. Like the idea of, you know, you it's have to Hydra get- meets um, like a chest burster. Yeah, yeah. But I just mean Hydra in the in the manner of, you know, you kill one, but there's five more in there. I, I think that's a cool idea of each zombie basically makes five new zombies. It's sort of exponential growth as opposed to the normal of like, you know, you only turn into a zombie when you get bitten, which is fine. Like, obviously, that's worked for 50, 60, 80, whatever it is, 60 years or so. Uh, you yes. know, people like that. But I, I do think this is like a really cool twist on it, which I think other people should steal like it's a good idea that's somebody should do this yeah it, i like that it's different um just cut out the aliens much yeah, like again, season start two of american movie. horror story just cut out the aliens yeah yeah so uh we go back to the sorority house classic and, bugs uh, on fishing lines can't get enough of it love every time it's done oh the slugs yeah yeah um and the douchebag is calling cindy on the phone rick flair he has a name put some respect on it Apparently the like Woo! the studying girl's cat died, but we didn't see it happen or like it wasn't implied that it happened until all right. of a sudden the girls are like, who's going to tell her the cat's dead? And I was like, yeah. who's going to tell me the cat's dead? <laughs> exactly. How will you tell the audience? What? Tell me first. Especially because we get later in the movie, we get a great gag of the dead cat with the messed up face. It's like, I want to see that. What's up? It happens like literally five minutes after this moment. But I was just like, right, right. I didn't know the cat was in danger. Like, show me we, the cat sniffing on a slug. Right, right. We cut from dead cat to Tom Atkins enjoying his favorite meal of Jack Daniels and two packs of cigarettes. It's so delightful to me. It's just like this character is like like a deeply, deeply messed up person. And later we find out why this he's, you know, spent his whole life this way. But it's like, I get that the A's were a different time, but like nobody, nobody was like, hey, Tom, bud, do you need help? Like, can nobody we checked something? in on old Tom. Right. Uh, this is where I, the moment I alluded to earlier where Cindy was like, I looked you up in the student directory to see where you live because I need to talk to you about slugs. And I was like. The student directory. 
I don't want anyone be. I don't want anyone on campus who I didn't tell where I live to be able to find where I live. Right. This is this is a thing that happened before we took stalking seriously. Yeah. B- before <laughs> before that whole craze. <laughs> before we were like, oh yeah, giving giving creepo men the unfettered access to women's exact location at night is probably not a wise choice. Yeah. So they go. She's like, please take a walk with me. I want to talk to you about stuff. And I love Can- how like. Can we talk for 45 minutes about Rusty's jacket in this sequence? Because I would like to take a pause here to discuss several aspects of it. For the first, it's three sizes too big for him. For the well, that's second, the 80s, baby. The pockets on this jacket, he could be carrying, and I'm not even exaggerating, an entire set of encyclopedias. The pocket on this jacket... <laughs> The pocket on this jacket is like 16 by 16. You could put so much, like, you could fold an arm at the elbow and tuck it You know it what it is? It's an list. ideal movie theater jacket. It, it's a movie, it's a candy smuggling jacket. That's how they advertise I'm not even it. candy. I feel like one pocket is candy. The other pocket is a large popcorn. <laughs> the other pocket is an entire bag of wine from a box that you've removed <laughs> yes, from exactly. the Yes, exactly. It's the bladder. Yes, you have a bladder of wine, a whole... He could he could do all of that. He could have a full large popcorn, an entire shelf of candy, and a bladder of wine in this jacket, and nobody would even notice. It's the biggest jacket I've ever seen. It's a lot. But I was gonna say, I love how, like, level-headed and, like, pragmatic she is about everything, because mm-hmm, she's just mm-hmm. like, it, I think it was a zombie, and then his head exploded, and slugs came out, and I don't know what to do, because I sound crazy, but I'm pretty sure it was a zombie. And his response is like, yikes, you dumb broad. Yeah, it's like, first of all, buddy, you are trying to have sex with this woman. Not that you should, you know, take advantage of people, but be empathetic if you, you want can, to have you sex You can with be her. like, oh, wow, zombies, that's crazy. Tell me more. I don't understand what you're saying. And then JC is like, ah, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. And uh, he was like, you, he like walked away being like, good luck, buddy. And I was like, if they kill JC, I am angry. Yeah, yeah. I feel the same way. I thought I it was going to be, I thought he was going to make it till the end at least. Yeah, yeah. I do love, he's doing graffiti in the bathroom. And just above where he's doing graffiti, it says Humpty Dumpty was pushed. Which is such a bizarre, <laughs> I'm just imagining someone's been holding that grievance since they were like six. That's my new like, favorite conspiracy theory. Yes, exactly. It's so petty I'm gonna, and useless. I'm going to post that on my Instagram and like, I don't know who needs to hear this today, <laughs> but Humpty Dumpty was pushed. <laughs> and like with like a sparkle filter. I'm going to I'm going to tweet it right now. I'm taking my phone out. I'm getting on the Twitter. I don't know who right needs now. to hear this today, but Humpty Dumpty yep. was pushed. Yep. It's happening right now. So yeah, I just, I loved that graffiti so much. I, thank you for pointing it out because I missed that and it's now yeah. my new favorite thing. Really good. Uh, but there's slugs in the bathroom. He's trapped and he, there's, there's a matchbook and I, I can't be, he's reaching from the matchbook and he almost gets hit with the slug and he starts to reach for it again. And I'm like, buddy, this is the one time where you have a great advantage in that you have crutches. Like normally that's probably him. not. Yeah, no, no, I'll squidge them, sure, but pick up the matches with your crutches, or drag it closer, at least. You have yeah, a three-foot okay. extension on your hand, just drag it in close. There you go. Well, even as soon as he sees it, I was like, what is he going to do with a matchbook? Like, Yeah, I, I thought he was going to start a fire to set off the smoke alarm to get someone to come help him, which I thought was I, I thought it was. A, I thought it was going to be a sprinkler system, for sure. Yeah, yeah. 
But no, he gets tripped somehow coming out of the the bathroom, the coming out of the toilet, and then so his face is on the ground, perfect to get you know a, for a slug to yeet into his mouth. Yeah, because he he does kill one slug with the matchbook. Yeah, which looks really cool. They, I think it's an Alka Seltzer. A hundred percent. That is. Yeah. The uh, not Trog School. Troma. Troma School of Filmmaking. Go to Costco, get yourself a pallet of Alka-Seltzer. Yeah. And then go in the back guys. and say, hey, what, what meat ain't you selling anymore? And can I buy it for five bucks? Get a, can I get a tub of your expired meats? Loose meats. <laughs> Just, I got this rubber made. You, you put anything that you can't sell or donate in here, and I will make good use of it. I assure you I won't eat it. Now that Tiger King's in jail, I know you gotta <laughs> give it somewhere. You throw it in this rubber maid. <laughs> and bully here, you aren't accidentally feeding a bunch of people who get paid nothing because they like big cats. I'm just gonna <laughs> throw it at teenagers. <laughs> I got I got a I'm gonna duct tape I'm gonna duct tape these sausage links to a teenager's stomach and then put a loose <laughs> flannel over it. <laughs> And we're going to rip his shirt a little, and then they're just going to pull these sausage links out of his, like, it's his intestines. And then I also bought several expired watermelons. We're going to cut them open. We're going to hollow them out. We're going to fill them with meat, and then also uh, some And then put a wig on them and (laughs) shoot them from behind. We're going to shoot it with a gun, and it's going to be chunks everywhere. Yeah, I realize watermelon's already kind of the right color, but you'd be surprised how much seeds get picked up on digital film. You gotta have meat in there. Ground up, whole steaks, chicken, whatever you got. I just need your loose meats. That was a thing on the podcast. Right, loose meat was a thing before. Oh, it was this, It was both. It was both a strip club and a, a male burlesque dancer's name. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage. Loose Meat. I almost spit water on the microphone at the idea of a strip club called Loose Meat. That's so horrible. Oh man. That is hundred percent like, where I would go. Because it would be it would be a quarter for a beer. It's deeply loose meat would have a quarter beers. Oof, a doof. But no, or well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage. Loose meat. <laughs> Anyway, Tom Atkins intercepts uh, Rusty so, right after he's made a date, and then he brings him home, like, all well, in a he date. Says, he says, what I thought he said was, date to the formal, that's classic spanking. And I was like, huh? Because yeah. then it cuts to Tom Atkins' house, and I was like, yes. what? what? <laughs> I was you like, do I need to screenshot very this? very different direction. No, and then I realized he said Spanky, because yes. earlier he referred to Rusty and JC as uh, Spanky and Alfalfa. Right, right. Which, I, I, uh, spoilers, and, and not long from now, <laughs> Rusty Griswold is going to tearfully say that Alfalfa is dead. I, it's funny, because my only experience with the Little Rascals is the the movie the from Bug the 90s, with Whoopi Goldberg yeah. and Reba and Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm. But it was like a series of movies before that, right? I believe it was a television show. Oh, okay. So he takes him home, and Tom Atkins proceeds to pour, like, a full glass of whiskey, no A five-finger of whiskey. <laughs> yes. It's like, he pours the tumbler and hands it to the kid, and there's 
a split second of terror in Rusty's eyes of like, oh my, I, of course I love underage drinking, but not like this. <laughs> also not in front of a cop. Do, do you happen to have like a quart of soda I could pour this into, please? Do you have a, do you have any apple juice? <laughs> do you have a large bucket in which I could mix anything into this liquor that you've handed me? Even I'll take a handful of ice. I'll take a loose, a handful of loose ice just sir, to do something. I don't know if you know this, sir, but um, I know you're a cop and everything, but I weigh 110 pounds, and if I drink this was risky, I might die. <laughs> also, I'm 18, 19. Yes, I don't, I don't drink straight whiskey. I drink <laughs> pop-off. I drink Fleischmann's and Gatorade. Like <laughs> More realistically, I drink a Zemo when it's available. Yes, very that. But then Tom Atkins does his whole story about how he murdered a man. And I'm like, if I'm Rusty, my thought is he's telling me this so that he can then murder. Like, it's like the the killer taking off his mask. As soon as his mask comes off. Oh, I'm dead. See, I thought it was he's telling me this so that he can commit suicide. Like, he's going to unburden this story and then he's going to put this gun in his mouth. Not where I went, but I see it. He's just like, I'm going to drink this whiskey, and I'm going to tell you the worst thing that's ever happened to me, and then I'm punching my ticket. That it sounds like a movie I watched recently that I don't want to mention because I don't want to spoil it. Right, right. But there's a, it's that's exactly a scene in a movie where I was like, whoa! So he tells the story of like, oh, did you have a high school sweetheart? Well, let me tell you what happened to my high school sweetheart. And it turns out that the lady uh, we saw get axed dismembered at the... Well, not, we didn't see get dismembered at the beginning of the movie was dismembered by a ghoul of some type this skeleton creature but when we saw him he was a human so did we see his face yes okay it's very clearly like a dude yeah i know that you see his hands but i don't know that we i didn't remember if you saw his face no you saw face um and he's like yeah i buried his body right where the uh the house mother's you know cottage is and so we cut to the house mother and her floorboards are being pushed up and like punched through and she's yeah. just not doing anything. Right. Like, like I'm you wanted to happened, die, lady. If that happened to me, there would be a trip sized hole in every wall between me and the outside. Yeah, like you you wanted to die, lady. Absolutely. Sorry. And the, the the zombie creature pops out holding the axe that has that I don't know if you caught this, but they sh- they said that Tom Atkins burned the body or he, he mentions burning the body, and the axe is all charred, which I thought was a great little I didn't touch. Catch that. Yeah. Um so Tom Atkins gets the call to like go to the the cottage. And this scene I didn't understand at all. It's like five seconds, but he's driving, he's like, Where's my backup? And then all of a sudden there's like a cop car on his ass. Yeah. And another one comes like tearing around a corner right in front of him and almost hits him. And I was like, Are these zombie cops? Yeah, I thought that's what they were setting up as well. Nope, they're just cops who can't drive. Yeah, they just happen to drive very recklessly. But who's gonna pull them over? Exactly. A cab, baby. <laughs> At least they didn't do the thing. We didn't see them do the thing where a light is changing and they turn their sirens on to run through the yellow light and then turn it off immediately upon crossing the intersection. Because I have seen that in every major city I've lived in. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck bastards. Um, so they, they catch they, up to the guy. And there's like... About eight cops here, right? All holding it's different the, weapons. It's uh, once again this the level of cops is the scene in Trading Places. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. It is ridiculous. It's for the town this small. And Atkins is like, freeze, you bastard. I already killed you once, which I just none of the other cops seem confused or upset about this. And I'm like, I'm sorry if I ran to a he's drink. He's a drinker. So no, I mean, that's true. It's, uh, maybe it's like I already killed you once because he's having double vision and he thought he shot one, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He shot the double. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And then we get a zombie head slug explosion, which is yeah. a new phrase for me. Yeah. Not one that I'm familiar with either. I also love they just before his head explodes, they shoot him a bunch of times and you can see the daylight coming through the prop, which looks really great. Like, very, or, very I think delightful. it's the, the headlight light. That's right. Because it's right, nighttime. Not daylight. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I, yeah, I just, you're correct. But yeah, I just love that, like, they're shooting that was with nice the revolvers. Touch. Yeah, that looked really cool. Because it's like a hospital gown, I think, that it's, like, very thin and papery. That the, yeah, the it's that, it's, you know, it's classic movie asylum yeah. garb. Uh, and then we get our first and only boob of the movie, which was a little shocking. I thought the showers, there were multiple naked women. Is it just I one? only remember there was one full on like boob. And then there's okay. a, the girl next to her is like const her arm oh, is like you constantly know what? Right. covering her nipples. Yeah, yeah she's covering herself up. You Not in like an obvious way, but she's like reaching for something. And yeah, like washing you're, right, her arms. you're right. You're right. You're correct. But we, we get one boob, one, one set of boobs. And then I was like, show boy, but you cowards. Because then show, they cut right to the men lot, getting ready. Right. They show a lot more scantily clad men than i was expecting so you're you're i'm on your team like there should be equal opportunity nudity but it was a lot if you're more... gonna give me a boob give me a butt yeah i'm i'm not disagreeing with you but i'm saying them so i was surprised at how many shirtless very small underwear wearing men we saw yeah um and then uh as rusty griswold's getting ready for the dance that he was invited to that we forgot to mention <laughs> Because he's the big formal. Well, we, I seems did to be say, ancillary say, in our in our version of this story. <laughs> I did say it when Tom Atkins took him to his house that he had just gotten. A, you said it there, so we mentioned um, it. And he finds a tape recorder that says "Play me," and it's JC's like dying words that he's yeah. like. It's brutal, honestly. It is brutal. sad, and I was I was mad that this movie gave me feelings. <laughs> Uh, cause he's like, he says, I love you, which is not a thing that happens in movies no, of this era no. or even today. Right. Yeah. But he's like, they hate heat. They're in my brain. I'm going to go to the boiler room to die. So they'll die with you. I love you, buddy. And I was just like, yeah, what is happening? <laughs> JC, what? And then we go see his body and I was not okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really a bummer. But yeah, then, and, and honestly, like the best character in the movie, well, second best character, Tom Atkins is the best character in the movie. Second best character in the movie punches out way too early. Yes, exactly. Um, so all the, the frat bros are getting on the, the party bus to go to the, pick up the chicks for the, yeah. the formal. Which is like, why is it on campus somewhere? I assumed it was at like a country club or something, kind of like a prom. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Because our, um, our theater banquets were at, prom, were at a country club. Um, but the douchey guy, they're like, where's douche bro? And they're like, he got dumped. He's not coming. And then we see him in front of the sorority house and he's like drinking out of a bottle. Like he's like drunk. It looks like a Pellegrino bottle. It does look like a Pellegrino bottle, which honestly fits for the Ric Flair essence of this character. That that's how he gets drunk is Pellegrino. Oh, no, just that that Ric Flair would, if he was to drink water, which was unlikely, he would definitely be drinking Pellegrino. Yeah. Um, and he gets attacked by a zombie dog. 
I honestly thought this was awesome. He goes to pet the dog and it turns to look at him and launches a slug into his mouth. It's uh, the zombie animals are great in this movie. Yeah, they are. It's super great puppets. But then we have this mo- this like one of the few moments that I was like, I this is weird. We see the inside of the bus and he's like, let's rock and roll, buggeroos or whatever. Yeah. And then we have a shot of the outside of the, like, it's like the front window, the driver into the bus. And he turns around and he's like, all right. And then we slow pan down to the headlights. And I was like, ooh, is something under the bus? No. Yeah. And then he like turns his blinker on and we go slowly around the side of the lower bus. And I was like, what are we, what are we doing? Yeah. I wanted, I wanted slugs. I wanted slugs slithering up the bus. That's why I, th- I was like, are they going to go in the tailpipe? Are they yeah, going yeah, yeah. in the, the, like, what? It looked like they were, they forgot to put something in the scene. Yeah, yeah, it is an, I, I totally agree. It is an odd shot. It's ominous with no payoff. Yeah. And then, uh, turns out Tom Atkins duct taped his door shut. Yeah, it, honestly, I think Tom Atkins was moments away from a shotgun lobotomy. <laughs> like, moments away. Oh, shit, no. He was gassing himself. Yeah, that's true. He was killing himself in a different way. I wrote shotgun lobotomy as the I scene forgot because later yeah, I was like, was I himself, was like, oh, yeah. is he gonna blow up his apartment and kill slugs that are somehow in there? I I didn't realize when I, you, I just literally you heard it live on air. <laughs> yeah, I had the realization that that's why he taped the door shut so he could gas he, himself. Yeah, he was killing himself. He had like settled in with another uh, pint glass full of bourbon and was just gonna drink that and then die. Also, I thought the duct tape at first was, oh, this is keeping the slugs out. For a second I did, but I was like, I don't think he would have made the connection that the slugs are a thing thing. Yeah. Um, so Rusty goes to the door and like you said, tearfully says they got Alpha Alpha. Yeah, and Atkins immediately is like, Well, it's time to fuck shit up then. And we get this great like it's a montage where he turns off the oven, he like decides not to kill himself with the oven. He grabs his shotgun under the bed. It's, it's a really weird good. understated I'm gonna kill myself because I oh, didn't yeah. there's no like well, I've served my purpose. I killed mm. the man again. So I guess that's it for me. I'm going to go off into the forest and I'm going to sink back into the sea. Yeah. Um, and then we get the best kind of unsolicited dick pic. <laughs> dick Miller shows up. Exactly. For like one scene, but a lovely one. He was there and I was like, oh my God. Hey. <laughs> Podcast mascot, Dick Miller. Hey, buddy. It's good to see you. Uh, now I just want a like... A mascot head version of Dick Miller, <laughs> like a like a like a big cartoony. Uh, yeah, like yeah, how there's yeah. the Syracuse Orange or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there's a I'm big Dick Miller head, and like I don't know, maybe the I'm thinking of maybe a costume from Gremlins. Yeah, or or the janitor from uh, from Shopping Mall. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. I, is there? There's must be. I would. We. I need to go see if there's a Dick Miller podcast that's worth a damn. There has to be. He's been in so many movies, you could have like a really long podcast. And then you could call it It's Miller Time. Oh, really good. Solid. Anyways, they, uh, he, Tom Atkins is like, I need the flamethrower that we have in our armory. And I was yeah, like, Yeah, yeah. D- Dick have- Miller's, <laughs> Dick Miller's the guy who signs out the weapons. He's the armory guy. And he's like, Oh, well, yeah, I got it right here. And I was like, Why do you have a World War II era <laughs> flamethrower in this a, college town armory? The same reason that current cops have fucking Humvee tank things. It's like that, whatever the fuck that program's called, where they, they, the military surplus equipment ends up in the hands of cops. That's been a program for decades. 
Oh, God. So uh, Tom Atkins is like, well, I'm going to shoot you, Dick Miller, if you don't give me the (laughs) flamethrower. He goes, I need to see your requisition form. And he puts a bullet, a shell into a shotgun. He's like, it's, he doesn't say it's right here. I got it right here, buddy. That's what I was really thinking this is building up to. But he just points it at him and cocks the gun. And Dick Miller clearly gives him the flamethrower. Well, also, Dick Miller says, careful with the pilot light. It's a bitch to relight or something. And I was like, ooh, Jagoff's pilot light? Nope. Yeah, exactly. No, it comes back later. Who has to relight it? it they can't get it to light in the basement. That's why uh, Atkins' oh, whole right, end right, of the right. movie okay. hinges on that. Uh, the bus crashes and the bus driver's head explodes, and it's an awesome looking effect. It's a it is kind of a weird insert shot of the dummy head, though. Yeah, yeah, but I'm fine with that. <laughs> hey, hey, I got the watermelon and the wig. <laughs> you just gotta put some uh, M80s in it and light them. You're all set. Um. So zombie Ric Flair shows up at the sorority house and we get that that movie thing where like someone's like so not paying attention. They don't uh-huh. notice the gross thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she like walks out the door and like holds his hand and sits down. And is like, I'm sorry it didn't work out between us. And I was like, well, look at him. Look at it's, him. It's two women because a different girl answers the door and then is like, Cynthia, Ric Flair's here for you. And she like <laughs> goes downstairs and, and she gra- then she grabs him. It's like two different girls didn't notice that this guy is a monster. What? Yeah. Um. She's and letting so, him down uh, easy, doing the whole, like, it's not you, it's me, I just feel like we've grown apart. Even though it's like, fully you. you <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. I, I You I'll kicked be- a kid with crutches? <laughs> yeah, like- you kicked you kick the crutch out of a kid, and while that's, like, a really great thing to do in the wrestling ring, and, like, makes the fans boo you and throw trash, which is, like, your job, your great heel, this is real life, and you just kicked a kid Although with Although I feel crutches. like the better one would be to grab the crutch out of their hand so he falls and then hit him with it. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Um, but it would be like the scenario would be like they jumped the baby face, but they were all wearing disguises and they injured him. So the baby face is like walking out with the crutches like, oh, I can't wrestle for the title. Like it's a thing. And then the bad guy comes out and it's like, hey, just so you know, like whenever you've recovered, I'll give you that title shot. Like I'm a, I'm a good guy and I'll do that. And, you know, it's this look moment. over there. Poop. Yeah. And then as he's leaving the ring, he like, you know, kicks the crutch out and then they all put the boots to him. Uh, so. uh Tom Atkins and Rusty show up and kill Ric Flair. And then the, the combo shotgun flamethrower of like, you shoot him, I'll burn him. It's for really some good. reason, they decide that they have to do that. And I was like, I think you can just do the burn part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, I guess they're like, oh, we have to release the slugs so we make sure we get them. But I feel like a flamethrower is just going to burn the human as well. So you're yeah. probably fine. Burn it to ash and you're good. And then he, Rusty goes, I'm sorry I killed your boyfriend. Here, take this gun. You'll feel better. Yeah, it's really good. Although I do, it's really delightful. So he hands her the shotgun and then more zombies show up and they're like trying to fight and she can't work the shotgun. And I think he says here switch. And then there's like a, like a Batman. All of a sudden they've just swapped. <laughs> yes. There's a, it's like a sixties Batman. s like spin Rooney. And suddenly they've, they don't have the same guns anymore. And then they swap back later. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it was a lot of a lot of hot potato with these weapons. Yeah, apparently the flamethrower was brutally heavy, and this actress really struggled to wear it because of how small she was, which yeah. totally makes sense. Uh, the great Tom, the great line from Tom Atkins that was the trailer, or not the trailer, the tagline. Yeah. Good news, your dates are here. Bad news is they're all dead. Yeah, and then lights a cigarette. 
<laughs> yeah, well, it's so good. Of course, because he then uses the cigarette and a can of hairspray to make a flamethrower. It's so good. Yes, yes. It's you know, like you do. He shoots the guy, the one dude, grabs the hairspray from a screaming sorority girl, and pulls his cigarette out, and just like whoosh, whoosh. It's so delightful. Um, I do wish there was more cool zombie makeup because some of them are kind of lame. Yeah, it's, some of them it's are a just lot like of, bloody. It's a lot of like black around the eyes and a little bit around the mouth, and that's what that's good enough. But then we see some that are like a full skeleton mouth or a full skeleton face, or like yeah. the, they have the the brow prosthetics. Right. Yeah. I also found really funny. Atkins is like, lock that door. And I'm like, it's made of glass. Who cares it's if it's door, locked? Buddy. Just get away from this room. Yeah. And then the zombie comes through the French doors and he goes, it's Miller time. And I was like, yeah. is your last name Miller? Yeah. I just like, I truly did not know. And also if it is Miller, is it George Miller? Like Mad Max? Like who's Miller referencing? And then I realized that all these girls are still standing on the front porch behind Rusty and Cindy. And I was like, go back inside. Yes. You're not helping. Get back just, in there. I just checked. His name is Ray Cameron. So, so it's, it's Miller time is just nonsense. Yeah. I have no idea. And then uh, the cat girl pulls an evil dead. I called it. I have literally the same thing written down. It was like an evil dead-esque switcheroo. Well, because all of a sudden, Tom, like the zombies are in the room. They've come through each window, and she's sitting in the corner facing away from Tom Atkins as he's trying to get his gun loaded. And I was like, oh. She's she's doing a thing. Yeah. She's yeah. a deadite now. Yeah, exactly. There's also an awesome he, he get he he wrestles with her and he gets his gun and there's this awesome Spike Lee-esque shot of like the camera's attached to Tom Atkins at the waist so he's fixed but the room is spinning and he's just like firing this gun while Well, cuz he sees a picture of his ex-girlfriend. Right. And he's right. like oh, I got to kill right. them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. It's really a great shot. Yeah. Um There is more interesting direction in just this zombies attack the sorority house sequence than in the entire filmography of ron howard as soon as you started that sentence i was like is this a ron howard dunk, <laughs> this is a ron howard dunk. <laughs> he's replaced ed begley jr as the enemy of the podcast yeah ron how are you still working our new podcast um so th- uh Cindy and Rusty get cornered outside, and she's like, "Here, into this tiny shed." And I was like, "Why?" It doesn't even have walls. It's lattice. It's it's lattice wall. It's like the kind of thing you build around the side of your house to keep the lawnmower in. So because your significant other is like, "I'm tired of looking at the fucking lawnmower." Like I just put it in mm-hmm. something, anything, cover it in a thing. Uh, and so they do. They like they all break into the fit to the little hut, and they. We learned that you don't have to shoot them first. You can just burn them. Yeah, yeah. This is a, she, she does a really great flamethrower to the one the one zombie. It's rad. But does he say blader dude before he runs over with the lawnmower? <laughs> uh, it, that's what I think it is now forever. I don't think that's what he says, but I love that. Well, so I couldn't tell if it was like him trying to be Tom Atkins. Maybe, maybe. So instead of later, it was blader. I mean, it's a delight if it's blader. I love that. Um. And then they, this is where they swap weapons back so that they can run back into the house and he can be like, everyone out, get everyone, get out of the house. Yeah. The, I mean, the lawnmower effect is neat, but not as Peter Jackson-y as I was expecting. Yeah. It's a great perspective, though. Yeah, it, it's a great looking shot. I, I mean, I like it a lot. We run to the basement. There's Tom Atkins with tape over his mouth. So he at least knew the, some uses for duct tape. And then there was a... There's a slug pile. There's no other way yeah. to phrase it. There's this a slug pile. A writhing mass of slugs, which I didn't like it. 
I've watched this movie a bunch, and I think this is the first time I was like, oh, they're on the brains. Like, why are they in the yeah. basement? Oh, they're on the brains. The brains. Um, I don't know why the slugs were only going for Tom Atkins' mouth, because he had the duct tape because they were flying, but they right, don't go right. after the kids. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Also, you'd think the cigarette that he would was ne- was never without would prevent the slugs as well. Yeah, or the liquor bottle. Yeah. And so uh, this is where you you mentioned that I didn't realize that the flamethrower doesn't work so that he has to sacrifice himself. So he starts slugging gasoline around and he starts counting down from 20 and he's doing it in this very methodical way. And it takes Rusty like five or six beats to catch on that he's counting in such a way that it would have caught me, too, because I was like, are you counting your step like the steps yeah. you're. Step 20, throw the yeah. gasoline. Step yeah. 19, lick yeah. the lighter. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, he's counting so that you know how much time you have to get out of the house. Like, you need to, you need to count along in your head and run. So uh, they run out of the house, and then Rusty sa- uses thrill me. Yeah. the tra- It's like the changing, the, the passing of the torch. And the house explodes. It's a nice explosion. It's, it's a really solid. good explosion. Yeah. And Atkins, uh, big explosion. So... I'm curious, since you watched, I have the Blu-ray, did you, which ending do you have? Like, what happened? I got take the, it over. I got the, the not, the ending that would not have upset me. Okay. Uh, it explodes, they kiss in front of the house, Rusty and Cindy, and then I, we see barbecued Tom Atkins, and I was like, he survived? Yeah, I thought that was insane, yeah. And then he falls, and, and slugs come out of his head, and... They like we see them scurry under what in my brain as a movie watcher, I'm like, oh, that's a cemetery gate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the camera pans to the left to show you that it's a cemetery. I was like, yeah, I, that's what a cemetery gate looks like in movies. <laughs> exactly. We know it. Very, very Beetlejuicey looking cemetery miniature. And then all of a sudden there's a spotlight. And I was like, is this the aliens again? Yeah. And it's the aliens again using a spotlight to look for tiny slugs. I thought that they were showing this. I also that the cemetery is like a river or a creek. And I thought they were saying like, oh, the slugs are in the water now. Mm, okay. That would have been cool. But I do love the miniature work. And I do love the, what's clearly like a human hand with a flashlight just out of frame, like moving it around <laughs> as a spotlight. Yeah. Um, basically 83 minutes long. If you take out the, there's like a couple minutes of opening credits and a few minutes of closing credits, but we're rated right like 80. I think it's listed as 88, but with the credits chopped off, it's like 83. Yeah. It's the, real tight. It, the, it's um, one of those weird movies that it's so fast that you're like, oh, it's over already? Yeah, yeah. The original theatrical ending was Explosion, Rusty, and uh, Cindy, ki- or Cynthia kiss, and then... No, her, you can call her Cindy. That was what everyone calls her. Oh, okay. They kiss, and then the dog runs up, and they're like, oh, Fido! And then the dog does a slug right at the camera, and that's the end. Yeah, I that would have upset. Better. I would have hated that ending. Yeah, this is better. Uh, although I do like, I do think it's very strange that Atkins was, or not strange, very on brand rather that Atkins is still smoking even when his brain is literally made of slugs. It's like the mm-hmm. one thing he's like, I'm surprised he didn't have a flask in the other hand of like, well, this is <laughs> this is my base 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 resting rate, it's drinking and smoking. Uh, makeup effects I I caught in the credits there by David B. Miller who did a bunch of the Nightmare on Elm Street sequels. Um, uh, that tracks. Right at, Friday the 13th, part five. He worked on the thriller video. He worked on Swamp Thing. Uh, also worked wow. on former episode Night of the Comet. And sadly, will never be an episode because it's like six months too late. But uh, Tremors. Oh, bummer, Tremors. Yeah. This is a huge recommend for me. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's I, quick, I too. I love this movie. Yeah. it's it's. There's like almost nothing I don't like about this movie. It 
never slows down. It never drags. It never has like a long exposition sequence where characters are talking, which really is the problem with so many of the like funny titled sci-fi original type movies. It's there's 89 minutes of movie, 30 of them is creatures and, you know, 55 of them is people talking in rooms with cheap sets. And it's like, if you're going to have just people talking one, move it along quicker. And two, give me some flashing lights. And or it's looking. like, they're like, what happened? Well, the aliens came to earth because their planet had to be blah, blah, blah. So they came to this yeah. planet because blah, blah, blah. And they're going to go back yeah. to it. And you're like, okay, simplify. Yeah. Simplify. Cut it down. We don't need this much. Also more aliens, less talky talky. Uh, but yeah, I, I super love this movie. I, I hadn't watched it in a long time, and I loved every second of it. And I will definitely not wait so long to revisit it. I highly recommend this. Uh, I love a good summertime slash. This isn't quite a slasher flick, but I, I love a summertime slasher. Uh, this is sort of the same vein of fun horror. I think it's perfect summertime horror. Totally fun horror. Really, really great. Uh, totally, totally worth watching. I wish Fred Decker got to do more stuff. His thing, his he, he and I, I think would get along famously, <laughs> and you probably oh, for you sure. as well. Uh, really love the vibe of his things. They 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 clearly we are into the same stuff. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I uh, wanted to remind you to go check out the Facebook page and the patreon.com slash dissecting the eighties, where we have all that cool stuff for you to find. We're getting closer and closer to the bonus episode every month at the $5 tier, which is awesome. We can't wait to start doing that for y'all. So help us get there and, you know, we'll build it after after you've come, I guess. We're doing a little opposite of Field of Dreams. But yeah, thank you uh, so much for checking out the show. Don't forget, if you haven't done it, go to uh, Apple Podcasts and rate the show. We would love to see it there and we read those on the air. If you review it elsewhere, just send us a screenshot, dissectingthe80s at gmail.com. We read those on the air, but I can't possibly track them all down. Apple podcast gets emailed to me. So if you do it there, we'll read it on the air. And if you want it elsewhere, just send us a screenshot. So if you haven't done that, go review the show. We haven't gotten one in a long while. Get out there, switch, switch to the review mode and, and, and read the show. We really appreciate that. We will be back in two weeks for another anniversary, uh, a movie that's perpetually been talked about being remade, but uh, thus far I think is dead. Although I think a documentary just came out about this one that I have not seen, but I've uh, heard some good things about. Is it on Disney plus the original flight of the navigator, which we're going to be doing in two weeks is on Disney plus the new documentary. I'm sure you can find for rent uh, various places, but it's from the perspective of the main character uh, who, who's doing that. Oh, cool. So we'll be back in two weeks of flight of the navigator. Can't wait to talk about that. Have not seen that since I was a child. I'm sure it's going to yeah, be a Yeah, all I know re-watch. is the ship. Yeah, the cool ship, and and that's pretty much all I remember. So we will see. I know there's time travel involved. Is it Henry Thomas again? No, it's a different kid. He only basically was in this movie. Hmm. Yeah. So we'll see you in two weeks for Flight of the Navigator. I have been Trip Leno. I will always be Andrew Leno. Until next time. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.